Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Pianist, composer, band leader, educator Arturo O'Farrell's latest recording, Legacies, celebrates his many inspirations, including his father, Chico O'Farrell. In Downbeat Magazine's review of Legacies, they say Arturo O'Farrell is one of our greatest living pianists. A review that surprises and delights this six-time Grammy winner, as making a jazz piano recording at this stage in his career was not something he anticipated. Arturo is the least jaded musician I know and the most positive. He consciously works at making the world a better place and bringing people together through his music. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Arturo Farrell ends his thank you section in Legacies saying, Most of all, I thank all who see the connections, not the divisions, who see the continuum, not the segments, and who realize that we are interconnected and part of each other. This is the true lesson of music, service to one another. I figure you're as skilled as you are, and that is, you could be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful performer, and, and as you're wowing the audience, you could be thinking about what's for lunch. And, 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 or you could be like a rank amateur and you're invested, so invested in the moment that, that you, you really passionate and inspired by the people that you're performing for. So in a way, what I realize is that a lot of us are tortured by how well we do what we do or how uh, famous we are or not famous. Or a lot of us are tortured by things that, that, that have to do with skill and placement. And those are such kind of you know, they're kind of unrealistic things to worry about. You are what you are. You do what you do at the level you do it. And you're, you're not going to change that in the heat of the moment. Instead of focusing on what you do, focus on the room. Focus mm-hmm. on the need that is presented by the people in the room, whether it's in a virtual room, in a club, in a concert hall. Focus on the center. Focus on where your spirit co-mingles with the spirit of the people you're you're serving and that's where the healing and magic takes place and if you take that like if you stop worrying about how well you do what you do or how big you are and start worrying about being present for the people that you are performing with not even for but the people that you're performing with then that carries over into your life it carries over into your whole philosophy so that a lot of what i do it you know people say what what do you do and i'm like I'm a campfire builder. I build campfires around which many people gather for warmth. And I like to, I like to think that's what we all should aspire to. I mean, it, it, it's certainly true for, for some. Um, but music is, is basically a good excuse to, to, to bring people together. It's a great way to pass the time until we die. But it's even better useful tool for bringing humanity closer to one another. And that, and that I, I thought that, you know, every time I re-examine my life, I realize that I, I love being a pianist. I love being a composer. I love being a band leader. But it just brings me closer to other human beings. It mm. gives me the opportunity to create community. And, and that, that inspires me. That inspires mm. me. 
I mean, I, you know, it inspires me on a level on a level that Ravel never can, and Ravel is my god, you know. Mm. But 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 the idea that you can actually be a part of another person's progress is so 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 central to what I think I am and what I, what I'd like to aspire to be. My guest, pianist-composer Arturo O'Farrell, from his CD, Legacies. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Arturo feels music is a way to bring people together, not just a way to entertain them. Is that something you came to on your own? Was it, or was it something that your parents told you? Was it, I mean, were you brought up with that thought? Because I'm curious, because... I've always thought of that way too, and I think it was one of the many ways that you and I connected, because we connected so strongly as soon as we met. But I think, I think about that because I had I've, I've talked about this before on the show because I had a classical pianist who had told me he, had, he was a CEO. In fact, you probably knew him, Ron Losby, because we're both Steinway artists. And he told me when he came up at Juilliard that they told him that the audience got to watch you. It was a voyeuristic experience. And through coming to my concerts and seeing how much I reached out to the audience, it really made Ron think differently. And I said, well, if I'm not reaching out to the audience, I'm not enjoying my, I'll be in my practice room. You know, it's either that communication or it isn't. So I'm curious how that developed for you. How if, because that is who you are. Well, I think at some point, I, I'll tell you exactly what happened. This is going to sound very convoluted. I got, when I was 12, I discovered Herbie. I wanted to play like Herbie. I thought I'd be happy. I got to be a reasonably good pianist. That what didn't make me happy. Um, I figured if I have a, a employment as a musician, I'll be happy. I got uh, my first gig with Carla Blay and have been employed ever since. And, and, but it still wasn't happy. I got uh, a, a record deal and uh, some notoriety, and I still wasn't happy. I think one particular album really turned my life around. I did an album called The Offense of the Drum. And The Offense of the Drum was a musical retelling of the Giuliani years in New York, in which um, drum drum circles and drummers were being arrested for making, uh, uh, for, for making noise, because, of course, the city was gentrifying. 
and gentrifiers when they first occupy a neighborhood, the first thing they complain about is the noise. And of course, Giuliani was the mayor who really brought New York, got rid of the squeegee men, hid the homeless, hid the mentally ill. He's the mayor that kind of started uh, destroying the fabric of New York. And one of the things that if you grow up in New York, you grow up listening to drum circles. So I never really did a, a socially conscious work before. But this came to me in the passion. And in the middle of the night, I wrote out the whole concept for this piece and for this album. And I put it out there and and it didn't bomb. In fact, it got a Grammy. And in fact, the music was not like Mambo. It was all kinds of weird Arturo things. And I started, <laughs> and I started feeling a sense of satisfaction from marrying my creative practice to my belief system. And so that was a real turning point for me because I found that if, if in fact you are what you play and if that in fact you are a person who really thinks about the needs of telling the story, the truth, being a journalist, of, 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 of enabling others to have voice that they may not feel they have because they don't have a platform. So that, that's kind of when it started to really change. And then, of course, it's been, it's been like really incredibly uh, mystifying to me that the more I gave voice to my social and political convictions, the more fame and, and uh, credibility I got. I mean, we, we, I, I, you know, I've been able to do things now, of course, uh, the Fandango at the Wall, the Cornell West Concerto, the, I mean, there's a litany of things now that, that, that I've done that I think really should have destroyed my career. But in fact, what I found out is that if you are honest and if you really care about uh, weaving uh, your personal convictions in life into your art, that people will respond. And so it didn't just happen. But by the way, and I, I think this is kind of more of the question that you asked, is that I think I got this sense of compassion for my mother. I really do. My mother was always a, a, a very, very, she was, she worked in a nursing home. She was a, mm. an arts therapist. She was always the one, in fact, this is a true story that I've never shared with anybody at all. Mm. At her funeral, I opened the floor for people to speak. And a young Asian man who nobody had seen before said, may I say something? And of course we all got very, who is this guy? Whatever. We, he got up and said, your mother, uh, I, I was I was homeless. I was destitute, and your mother uh, walked by me when I was begging, and she came back with food. And then she uh, kept visiting me on a daily basis with food and sustenance. And I started striking up a relationship with her, and she got me to make peace with my family. And you don't know me, and none of you people know me, but you need to know that this is what your mother did for me. And, and in a way, I feel like I learned something along the way from my mother about, you know, man, you have a choice. You can turn your you can turn your indifference towards the world or you can turn your heart towards the world. Mm. And, and for, for me, that's not noble. That's not that's not to do with nobility. It's, it's very it's not altruistic. It's a very selfish thing. I get joy. I get sustenance from that, and 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 it doesn't doesn't make me feel good or bad. I just I, I feel like that's the way one should be, and that's that's mm. that is enough satisfaction for me. And I guess I I kind of learned that from my mother, 
Um, and of course, we all fail. Sometimes we do right. Sometimes we do wrong. Sometimes we hurt. Sometimes we get hurt. But on a daily, day-to-day basis, one does hope to be a better human being, so so that others can benefit. My guest, pianist-composer Arturo Farrell on Pure Emotion, from his CD, Legacies. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Pure Emotion, of course, I love this, not just because you snuck in a little stride. I loved it. It really touched me. So talk about this track. Well, Pure Emotion was actually a, a composition that my father uh, uh, wrote for an album that he did, did called Nine Flags. The original title wasn't uh, Pure Emotion. I forget what it was. But Nine Flags was an impulse recording that was tied to a series of colognes. And so um, the cover of Nine Flags is nine beautiful models that represent nine different fragrances. In this, It was an incredible album. It had like... Uh, George Duvillier and uh, Grady Tate and all these incredible oh my musicians. Word. <clears throat> In any case, that was that. I, I forget the original title for Pure Emotion, but that was. It, I thought it was such a beautiful 
piece of music that it could easily be a standard in the real board. Mm. And um, and so I've been playing with it, with that melody and that particular uh, piece for, for many, many years. And this was this past year was the centennial celebration of Chico Farrell. So I, I ended up doing many concerts in celebration of my father and, and in almost half of them, I do that piece solo or uh, as a duo with my son, Adam, who's a very fun trumpet player. And um, I just, I mean, it's a piece that I think is uh, a very simple piece. Um, the melody is beautiful. It's the melody is very simple. It's a major triad. It starts with ba da da ba. You know, it's just a really, really, really lovely and simple piece of music that has a lot of elegance. You know, um, and it also it, it just I, you know when I play it, I feel. Uh, uh, as if I'm uh, communicating with my father, who's been gone for 20, uh, I guess, 22 years now. I've talked to a lot of professional musicians who had parents who were professional musicians. And it's always interesting to me what those parents told them, because many of them, even successful ones, ones that made lots of money, which surprised me, you know, had a good time, have told their offspring don't go into the music business just because it's so difficult beyond the money. You know, people usually think, oh, musicians don't make money. That's why you don't do it. But I was curious about that because you now have the different generations. Your father, how he was about this encouraging you, or did he encourage you? And the same now with your sons. I'm curious about that. Uh, my father was, I like to say that I became a musician despite my father. <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> well, it's not that he was a bad dad or that he was, um, you know, but you know how musicians are. They're very married to their work. And so it's really, it's it's problematic if you don't have a father that resembles the other parents who are taking their kids to Little League and to this or that. My father was very, he was a freelancer too. My God, a freelance composer, arranger, that's like, that's a, a death sentence, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so he spent a lot of time back then, before before there was voicemail, before there was even, there were beepers and, and, and answering machines. And he spent all his time worried about working. He would pace the apartment up and down, up and down working. Um which I think would surprise thing. people because they think Chico O'Farrell, boy, he was, you know, great and famous. People don't know this. No, freelancers are freelancers, even if they're famous. There's nothing, there's no, but here, here's the real thing is that the, the, the thing that was definitive for me about my father was that he's also, in my opinion, one of the great composers in jazz and and so I was always a closet composer. I was always mm. a closet composer. From the age of six, through my teens, through my 20s, through my 30s, I was a composer. I've been composing my whole life. But I didn't want to be compared to my father favorably or unfavorably. So I never really came out as a composer. I was known as a pianist. Um, and then uh, it was. it's funny because uh, um, he started to get feeble and older, and I started kind of taking over his band and 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 this was like towards the last 10 years of his life and he started you know getting lost in the scores and and we played a concert at alice tully hall with winton and um in fact it was deep because by that time i was already kind of contracting the band and you know um and it was deep because um he 
was introducing Winton. He said, and now, ladies and gentlemen, please help me to welcome the, maybe the greatest trumpet player of our time. He, say hello to, and then he forgot his name. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm sitting there at the piano going, Winton. <laughs> and it, it's a beautiful concert you know it was just yeah, he, my father just it's just at that funny period where where where, where you know your parents get older yeah. um but i came home and there was a message on my machine somebody in a fake british accent left this message which is a very bad curse word in spanish mm. let it be known that you don't have a 40th of your father's talent Oh my god. In fact, gosh. I foresee you picking in fact I foresee you picking through garbage. So oh. the thing that I feared most in my life had just happened. I'm staring at the phone. I can't believe I've heard these words. And not only did I not get destroyed, not only did the house not go down in flames around me, but something clicked. Something clicked in me and I went, Wow, I'm not my father. Mm. I cannot be anything like him. I cannot play music like him. I don't even listen to the same music he listens to. And my compositions don't resemble his at all whatsoever. I am not in competition with Chico O'Farrell. And I literally, mm. that's that was a real turning point in my life because it, it, I've gone on to do a lot of great composing. I mean, it's been recognized. I don't know if it's great, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I've got a lot of recognition for my compositions. And But that was a very tricky thing for me because I think composers... I think composers are, are 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 few and far between, and it's a calling. And I don't think it's like it's it. Maybe it's like uh, being gay, or you know, it's like something mm-hmm. you can't deny in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me to hide that for so many years, and for me to be liberated by that phone call was powerful. And it's powerful because you you know what it is as true as ever that. Uh, children are in competition with their parents. Aren't, parents are in competition with their children. And so what I've tried to do with my kids is not force them to be musicians. Mm. I, uh, my father didn't. I was expected to follow in his footsteps, as all mm. little Latino boys are. But with Zach and Adam, I just, you know, I said, you got to do something. Piano lessons, drum lessons, ballet lessons, I don't care. You're not just going to do anything. But be um, creative. That was your they, message. You, that was my thing. They, they were, they were, and 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 it's funny because my son Zach, who's one of the most fabulous drummers I've ever seen, took the took to the drums because he figured it would annoy us and we would <laughs> we would make him play an instrument. <laughs> and my son Adam, who's a fabulous my son Adam, who's a fabulous fabulous trumpet. He's on a tour right now with Hiromi. He's a fabulous fabulous trumpet player. He we first put him on the piano and he was okay at it but when he discovered the trumpet he was like in love with it he just could it became a whole different part of his vibe but they're both extraordinary musicians and but i think that doesn't impress me as much as the fact that they're really extraordinarily sensitive wonderful human beings that have big hearts mm. and that that's Aww. much more important to me than anything
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on all your favorite podcast platforms and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production not funded by NPR. Please visit jazzinspired.com to find out how you can chip in and support us. No gift is too small. And please write a review on Apple Podcasts, which is the best way for us to entice others to listen to the show. Thanks for helping us spread the word and celebrate 23 years on air. My guest is pianist, composer, band leader, Arturo O'Farrell. I have to reinforce something that you just said when you said that the worst thing happened to you and the house didn't fall down. I had a similar thing happen to me. And I and when it happened, I told a friend of mine who was a therapist, and he said, oh, I think everybody should be fired once. He thought that it was a gift to be fired in a way because then the worst has happened to you and you realize, oh, the lightning didn't strike me dead. I mean, it's really interesting. That's just, I just wanted to to sit on that for a minute because I think that's so I, I, I would, interesting would, that that released you. I would, I would go even a step further. It's really important to fail spectacularly. Yes. At something. Like yes. To, to mount some project or do, I, 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 I um, you know, we're so, we're so conditioned in contemporary society to excel that it's not, it's very unreal and so very few there are very few risk takers in especially amongst young people i know i know um, and i'm i'm i am convinced i'm convinced that until you flame out furiously in public and until you completely fall into pieces in wreckage and and look at your life and realize that no the important thing is learning not succeeding 
The important thing <laughs> is the, the journey, not the destination. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause then if you're, if, you, if you're not afraid of failure, if you're not afraid of yeah. failure, then you'll try crazy things. Like, like this is example. This is a good example. I fell in love with Cornell West's oratory and, but I, and I wanted to write something. And I had no clue how to. I just heard that I heard him, and I said, "This man is is, is Albert Eilert. <laughs> he's a saxophone. He's a trumpet. He's a." And I wanted to write something too. And so I I couldn't figure out how to do it. So I I laid his voice into my notation software and kind of tried to transcribe the cadence and stuff. It was a huge, mm. huge experiment, and and I, it really could have failed spectacularly, and um, it worked. It worked very well, and 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 I got to perform this piece with Cornell all over the Kennedy Center, Stanford, and and it's just to me like if I said to my if I said if I said to myself, gee, you're not going to be able to capture somebody's voice in the saxophone section. That's that's crazy talk. That's not what they taught you at the Manhattan School of Music. They taught you drop five voicing with this you know, blah blah blah, and you know, taking huge risks. Um, and 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 uh, going out on a limb. I, I did this thing called Cuba meets Kalaji, the Afro, the Middle Eastern roots of Afro-Cuban jazz. I didn't know what I was doing. It could have it could have it could have been calamitous. Some people might say it is calamitous. But you know what? If you don't, if you're not willing to. If you're not willing to fail spectacularly, then you're never going to do anything um, that's really all interesting or innovative. I love that you say that too. And I want to reinforce that too, because I've, many times I've had people say to me that, well, you're just fearless. You go out on stage and you're not afraid to fail. And I and you know, you keep going. And I said, no, no, artists, they're afraid to fail. They just do it anyway. And they do fail. Yes, exactly. And then they get back up to where other people are stopped by that. We're not saying that we don't have that. They go, oh, man, this is going to be crazy. Am I going to try to do? You know, because you know this about me. I just started singing a few years ago. And so for me, I, I had presenters. Now, this won't mean as much to our audience as it will to professional musicians, people that had hired me over the years, I would say, oh, and I'll need a boom mic. And they'd say, why? And I'll say, well, I'm going to sing. And there'd be dead silence on the other end from the presenter. <laughs> and they, and they'd, say, they'd say, because they go, oh, man, Judy, I had many people say, you're not going to sing, are you? Because so many musicians, so many instrumentalists start singing, they're terrible. And I said, no, I actually think I'm okay. And if you don't like it, I won't sing. <laughs> But I loved it that, that they actually That's said, great. oh, man, Judy, you're not going to sing, are you? And they'd like, get the sound check. They'd sit there with their arms crossed, you know, looking at me like, oh, God, you had a good thing with the piano playing. Why are you singing? You know, <laughs> no, That's it was funny. great. It was great.
My guest, composer-pianist Arturo Ofero from his CD, Legacies, playing Thelonious Monk's Well You Needn't. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I, I feel like the thing that made Monk quite possibly the greatest jazz musician of all time was that, that he didn't filter. He didn't filter. He didn't filter his playing. He didn't filter his thinking. He... You know, he was very, very raw and very responsive and reactive in the moment, kind of like the, in a superhuman way. He played exactly what he felt like playing. And he had such an uncanny sense of himself and of time. His 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 sense of time to me is the, the personification of what I call African DNA rhythmic code because it's a different way of looking at time. We're taught to be pulse-oriented, right? Jazz musicians especially sometimes. But Monk wasn't like that. Monk was was like a, a Yoruban priest. He, he segmented time in a different way. I mean, like, he, it's it's almost uncanny to me how, how he sees, I think Monk saw chunks and blocks of groove and not, mm. not pulse orientation, which I find really fascinating. But the thing that I, I, I try to do, I don't try to imitate Monk. I don't try to imitate anybody. But I try to get at the essence of what it means to like really, really let go. Throw yourself out over the edge and allow yourself to completely, absolutely 
in a very very spontaneous way improvised and i've been playing all the all the music that i play on this recording is music that i've been playing my whole life so that's one of the things that 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 defined for me was being having played well you need when i was 12 when Mm. i was 22 when i was 32 when i was 42 we can stop there (laughs) 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 maybe (laughs) Maybe 62. I don't know. Now that you're 53 or 43. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 um, and so, so, and for me also the piece that, that almost all of Monk's writing has this, his compositions are genius. The compositions are so, they're so distinct. They're so, uh, uh, unlike anything else in the, in, in the literature of jazz. And they're almost not jazz. I mean, how can you, you know, well, you need, and it came from the same, a uh, person as uh, you know, oh my God, apostrophe. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I know. You know, he's his just, own thing. It's like it's he's his own the, separate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's jazz, and then there's the one his mom. Monk on a 1965 recording of his song, Well You Needn't, with Charlie Rouse on tenor, Larry Gale's bass, and Ben Riley on drums. We're taught a lot to be free by following this icon or that idol 
we're taught, we're expected to be free by learning this scale pattern or that chord combination or this formula. We're, 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 we're taught to be individuals by studying how uh, we're never we're not, we're never encouraged to like go deep into our own psyches and to our own minds and figure out our response mechanism to the age old question of improvisation to the age old mm. question of harmony to the age old question. This is like what Bill Evans defined jazz as: it's not a thing, but a, a, a how. And to me, that that's really fascinating because it's it's jazz is a deeply nuanced conversation between Europe, Africa. The Americas, indigeneity, um, Asia, uh, South Asia. Jazz is a conversation that's global. It's always it's always been filtered through Mother Africa, but it's 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 a, it's an engagement with an age old problem, and it's a really a, 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 a you know an age, the age old problem is how do we fit into a world that wants us to be this or that. I would never go and participate in an Irish, Mexican, Cuban jazz pianist parade. <laughs> you know, I don't see myself as that. I wouldn't even support that parade. You know, I embrace, I, I embrace, I embrace all of it.
My guest, Arturo Ferro, on Darn That Dream, from his CD, Legacies. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Arturo is all about connections in music and feels one of his big inspirations, Frank Zappa, is a great example of that. I feel like there are people who uh, who see the connections and there are people who have to segment themselves. And Zappo mm. is someone who like just fascinates me endlessly because he doesn't see a difference between playing rock and roll guitar or composing contemporary music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zappo was one of those people who really, uh, I don't know, just, fascinates me because i i also i am i'm very much like that i i as i said earlier i was allowed entry into the game wearing a sombrero and a poncho and uh it, it you know that's fine however you get to the table you get to the table if you play rockabilly guitar or uh, ragtime or once you get to the table you bring you and you bring whatever you are and i'm always i'm always of the belief that if you look carefully enough, you'll see the continuum. You'll see the, the connection between Albert Eiler and Olivier Messiaen. You'll see the connection between Steely Dan and, uh, uh, and Frank Zappa. You'll see the connection between Louis Armstrong and Stravinsky. You'll see the connection. You know, so the, 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 we, We're all part of that conversation. He refused to sit in an easily commodified spot. I feel, and it's one of the things I really love about your playing that's always made me a big fan of me before we knew each other, is that I genuinely go on a journey, not just my own journey when I'm listening to your playing, not just your journey, but because of the way you think about music and draw on so many different things, the very thing that you're talking about It is a real journey of all these different influences in a really beautiful way that I never know where it's going to go. And not a lot of people do that for me that will do that. So a lot of those old guys, those early guys did, you know, because you could hear the history Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in their playing. Roger Calloway does that. Because he's all over of the course, place. Of course. You know, and you hear it all in of there in the most beautiful, integrated way. But I love that about your playing. And this entire CD does that with each song. I just, I love that. It, it really came together beautifully for me. Thank you, Judy. That means the world to me. I'm a huge it, Judy fan, as you know. And I'm no. not problem. I'm being honest. No. <laughs> uh, 
Um, uh, it, oh, I didn't mean to take your breath away with that, well, but I, I felt like I, I mean, I, I can, wanted. I can well, you grovel can grovel, and I I can gush. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because I wasn't. You know, it's funny. I I I never thought. I never thought I'd record a jazz recording again, just because of the lane I was castigated into. Um, and it was I actually have to thank Don was because Don said, you know, you should really record your marvelous piano. You should record a real jazz piano album. And I actually was terrified, terrified to release this recording. Um, the reception has been really, really wonderful. So I, 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 I'm a, I'm a, a, you know, literally just amazed that anybody likes it. But it really was a, such a, such a, an experiment to me in going, oh God, no, why did they make me do jazz? And this is exactly what I was talking about before. It's so yeah. frightening to me because I have been known for doing the big band and the latin yeah and this and that and i just was i said people hate when you swim out of your lane but i'm very grateful i'm truly deeply grateful and and super amazed and happy and and it was a real honest i, I listened to that recording as we were making it and i'm going oh god uh, uh, i listened to my playing and i'm going oh no what am i doing i can't play the piano See, and this is perfect. This is so great. It's such a great message to put out there because it's so wonderful. I was completely surprised when I, this came in the mail to me, and I, I couldn't believe that you had done it because of all the things that you're talking about because I thought, this isn't what he's doing now. He isn't putting out a piano CD, and you jumped off that cliff, and that is really a great message for everybody because... Look at the surprise. That's, Look what that's, can happen. That, that, yeah. You have to. You have to be willing to fail. Maybe that's the second biggest lesson of my life is if you don't take chances. One of my favorite moments in history is when, and it happens every once in a while, we are playing. We did this in Detroit Music Hall. <laughs> we did this. Uh, we're playing and something goes horribly wrong. The band miscues, or I miscue, or what happens? That I have to stop the band, and it's such a beautiful moment because the audience goes, "Wow!" And I have the opportunity to say to the audience, "You thought you were in the presence of highly paid professionals, <laughs> but you're actually in the presence of mad scientists who are taking death-defying risks, and who we have equalized the playing field. You don't know. We think we know our shtick." You don't know our shtick at all, but we've just blown it. So we're on this journey together. And it immediate, uh, audiences immediately get it. They immediately understand that they were, they're there to see us perhaps crash in wreckage and flames. Yeah. Perhaps. And the fact that we're willing to admit it, the fact that we're willing to say, look, this is all a great, great leap of faith, makes us all leap into that void together. Listener, mm. performer. And that 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 destroys the line between listener and performer. That's where mm. you really get the magic. The magic happens when there is no separation between the performer and the listener. The magic really happens when is when we occupy the common space, the sacred mm. common space, where we are both giver and gifted. Mm. And that that can only happen when the, when you suspend fear of failure. Well, this brings me 
to something that everybody in our business is talking about, unless they're just thinking about their own music, but how we continue to increase an audience for sophisticated music. I think that journey begins inside of oneself. If if you expect your audience to go with you on a journey, then you have to be willing to go on a journey within yourself. It's like the age-old question of what is happiness. Is happiness uh, a thing to be attained, a person to be partnered with, a great job? I mean, those things don't really exist. Happiness and spiritual contentment comes from being at peace with yourself. And I think that when you go into an audience, you have a, 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 a sacred obligation to be truthful and honest as a performer. And I think they'll see that vulnerability. Of course, you won't see this on stage with Taylor Swift. Of course, you won't see this on stage with Beyonce. Of course, you won't see this on stage with 99. Because that music, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and destroy my career yet again. Because that music is designed for one purpose and one purpose only, to make money. And if, and in my opinion, there's only two kinds of music. There's music that's made for the sake of bringing joy and beauty and community into the world, and music that's made for making money. And so, I mean, I long ago I decided that if I wasn't going to be able to be a happy and content person playing music, I would do anything else. But I've been very, 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 very lucky and blessed to be able to make music on my terms and to do so with a measure of success. Um, part of that has to do with the fact that I really believe that what I play and what I think is what I put out there, that it's not a manufactured thing to make money with. Um, even if I have a, a gig that I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a ballet for the San Francisco Ballet, and I'm doing this and I'm trying to figure out like how to, and it's not, it's not hard how to put my arturo quirkisms into the such a venerated art form as ballet. It's going to happen anyway. I'm sure that whatever comes out of, of, of it's going to sound quirky and weird and arturo-ish. Um, and that's, that, that's, that's really what I care about. I care that the person that generates the music that's coming out of my brain is a genuine person. Arturo, thank you for being on the show again. You are a force <laughs> for good you. in the world. Our friend Felix Contreras will be so grateful that he gets to listen to this conversation. <laughs> I love Felix, by the way. And I just love the CD. Oh, it's just thank so you. great to see you again. And all of the great messages you put out. You know, Julia, I adore you. I think you're a wonderful, wonderful person. I forget about the fact that you're a brilliant artist and an incredible host. You're just a lovely human being. So I'm just grateful to know you. Thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with Arturo O'Farrell. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidoff. You can listen to Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired on all podcast platforms and at jazzinspired.com. 
Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is sponsored in part with generous support from our listeners and Paige at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit page63main.com. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com.